Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the essential role design plays in our everyday lives. And how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, our specialist place and environments teams work globally with architects, developers, cities, corporations, and governments, delivering successful human-centered solutions across place visioning, property branding, and strategic wayfinding and signage. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to today's episode of Design Your Life, from Lego to skyscrapers. Today I catch up with Rob Brown, the co-founder alongside his wife Caroline of the Sydney-based studio Casey Brown. Tune in as we talk about the internationally acclaimed project Permanent Camping and scaling back our lives and homes and getting back to the basics that contribute to a happier and more present way of living. Hey Rob, welcome to Design Your Life. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks Vince. We're in lockdown uh, again and it's been... I guess six weeks now, I think it's been. And we managed to get a walk-in prior, which was really cool. We just actually lived nearby, which was, we found out that we were neighbors a little while ago, uh, up in the Northern Beaches in Avalon. And uh, it's been, it was so cool to catch up with you um, and, and walk around Palm Beach and see the beautiful views that we have here. How long have you lived up here? Um, we uh, moved up here about 20 years ago. Um, I suppose it was, we used to, both Caroline and I lived in the eastern suburbs, and when we decided to have kids, we thought, oh, we used to come up here for holidays, and we went, wow, this would be, this would be the place to bring up kids, you know, in a national park on a beach with all the freedoms um, and, you know, no restrictions mm-hmm. that you get in the city, and um, we've never gone back. So it's been, uh, it's been sort of 20 years of... Uh, living in heaven, which, you know, Avalon is a pretty good place to live, and especially if you're in lockdown. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I, mean, I just had a, a croissant from the local bakery, <laughs> which is, I think I moved to, I moved to Avalon just to, to get a croissant most mornings. I mean, they're spectacular as well. <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's really cool. It's funny. I mean, we're, we're, we're neighbors, um, and we're like literally two blocks away from each other, but we can't physically uh, be in front of each other, so we're on Zoom. Uh, we're doing this through Zoom, which is a uh, which is definitely good to see you and good to hear you loud and clear. I think we met back in 2008, I think, in, in Venice, um, on the Venice Biennale. Did you go to that? I, I remember um, vividly this, this room full of 300 little tiny models. Yeah, it was like uh, an example of architecture in Australia at that time and everybody all the arch- all sort of the architects of Australia were up invited to to contribute with a little model of some sort and to see 300 models in a little tiny space was was a pretty exciting you know I mean Venice is such an, an amazing yeah. place in itself yeah. and I, I, I was there recently for that other uh, Biennale when they filled the the new pavilion Oh yeah, with grasses. Did you go to that? No, I didn't. Uh, that was that was pretty insane. And 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 Venice is 
and the Biennale is, you know, just one amazing party. Oh. And, you know, the, the Italians really know how to party. And, you know, what a city to do it in. What an amazing city. I mean, I was lucky to be on the, the creative um, direction of that one. And um, with Neil Durabak and Wendy Lewin. Um, yeah. And I can't remember who else was on there, but there's a few other people. And it was just such a privilege to do that project and work on that project. And I thought the idea was so cool too, this architectural garden where, you know, sometimes there's a theme, uh, they choose one particular architect or like a certain subject matter. But this was really about the celebrating the diversity of architects in Australia. And I was actually surprised myself at what phenomenal work this was coming out of Australia and still is obviously. And it was really cool just to see all the architects whose models were there. Most of the people turned up too, so they're very proud to be part of, of it and um, supporting Australia, but also you know enjoying the the incredible other pavilions that were there. Oh, look, I think um, it's it's uh, it's the highlight for architects to mm. uh, to go to the Biennale. Um, not only uh, are all the other pavilions fascinating, it's the people you meet. Um, uh, the the sort of the whole atmosphere is 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 fantastic. You know, it's in summer, it's in Venice, um, and uh, you know the food and the wine and the people. It's it's just a great experience. You know, it's just a it's just a bugger. We can't do it now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's quite restrictive, isn't it? It makes a big difference. Um, initially moved to Australia in two thousand three with the family, and um, I saw your stunning project, permanent camping. I think it was in around two thousand six. And I love the simplicity of it. And it really took me back to times as a kid growing up in Canada on the West Coast. And, you know, we did a lot of camping in teepees and we did canoeing and kayaking. And we're very much in kind of in, in tune with kind of that kind of living outdoors, um, even for a temporary period. Um, but but your this permanent camping, I really love this idea. And uh, how did that come about? Can you just talk about that? Oh, look, it was... Um... I suppose the, the, the our graphic designer in the office uh, was a young a young guy brought up in the country on a sheep farm, and he used to ride his horse uh, as a kid up onto this mountain nearby his uh, parents' property, and uh, he 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 used to be in the office looking at all our buildings and looking at all our models and said, you know, one day I'd love to I'd love to build a building, uh, you know, do a piece of architecture, and I said, all right, well, you know. We'd love to help you. You you find a place, and and you know we'll help you. And anyway, this this project sort of uh, started about twenty years ago, and he slowly uh, acquired a little bit of land on a mountain uh, in central New South Wales, uh, adjoining adjoining his parents' uh, sheep farm, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and then he slowly uh, brought me photos of, of sort of architects that he liked and, and buildings and and it was you know they're all very architectural and, and quite large and and then i asked him if he had any money and he said well i don't have any money <laughs> damn you architects you always ask that question well you know you need a place and you need some uh, and a budget yeah, uh, anyway yeah. he, he, he had the place but he didn't have a budget so i said well, well when you get a budget come back and we'll talk more Anyway, a couple of years later, he came back. He said, yeah, I've, I've got a budget, uh, but it's pretty small. So we said, all right, well, you know, what do you want? And he said, oh, you know, I, I used to camp on this hill. Um, and I said, what? And he said, you know, it's, it gets pretty cold in winter. It snows and uh, it's, it's pretty remote. The only place, 
the way you can get there is by horse. And I said, all right, well, let's, let's see what we can do. And anyway, we played around and came up with this sort of this notion of a permanent tent, which was about the smallest structure that we felt you could possibly uh, live in, uh, which is, it, we found out later, it's actually the smallest size of a Japanese tea room, which is, which is based on two people being together yeah. But not not in, not into their personal space, yeah. and that, that's this three meter by three meter grid. Um, so that's that's how it sort of came about. We had it prefabricated by Jeffrey Broadfield in a uh, in his uh, workshop in Mona Vale, mm-hmm. um, all out of beautiful iron bark, recycled timber, uh, and 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 copper corrugated copper cladding for the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the fun part for us, I suppose, was the office actually put it together over many weekends. Uh, we'd drive out to Hargraves and, uh, and, and the office, the studio, would, uh, would, would do a bit of hands-on building with the client and, um, and Jeffrey, and we put the thing together. And it's sort of become a, uh, a, a little iconic little building. I mean, it's it, it's 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 a bit of fun. It's a it's a it's a place to dream um, and be with nature. And it's it's currently sort of uh, you can go and stay there. And it's apparently it's uh, booked out for six months uh, by sort of architectural groupies and um, nature lovers, which is great. Yeah, spectacular. I mean, it's in so many publications too, isn't it? It's, it's such an icon. I think I think it sort of touches people's emotions of getting away from the rat race and somewhere to go and be at peace with nature and, you know, no TV, no phone, no nothing. Um, and, and I suppose camp in comfort really. Um, and everybody, like you said, you know, when you're a kid, you go camping and, you know, don't mind if it rains or you're cold, you know, you put up with all of those things, but perhaps when you get a little older, you know, some of the home comforts of, uh, you know, a fire and a comfortable bed and, and, and not being wet um, come into play. And, yeah. and, and that building, you know, a permanent camp sort of satisfies that brief. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful story. And and I guess, I mean, it hasn't dated, has it? Because it's just, it's just, if it's 20 years old, it's still still going yeah. strong. Well, it's not, it can't be 20 years old, surely. No, no, it's about 15 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, I think, I, I think that dream, you know, He's only got stronger, you know, as people yeah. uh, want to get out of the city or, you know, have a bit of peace and quiet. You know, the rat race isn't slowing down. It's it's getting faster. Yeah. Uh, and that sense of being able to get away and, and think and draw and photograph, I mean, and, and just, you know, enjoy enjoy life in a simpler way is, is, uh, is very appealing. Not everybody can do it, but uh, it, certainly, it certainly caught the media's attention. And it and it's something which is interesting, just because um, you know with with COVID, and as I said, we're in lockdown again. Um, but it has been a whole new resurgence of people moving out of the city and more to the country and more to simpler life living and and all that and appreciation of nature and your home. Have you seen that broadly in your work? We have, we have, we've definitely seen um, an interest uh, to the to the tune of that we're only doing one one project in the city at the moment. Every other project is in the country or uh, up and down the coast. It's, it's out of the city um, where people, I, I suppose, are finding if, we're gonna, if you're going to be in lockdown and you can't travel overseas, you might as well 
go and find a, a, a wonderful place in Australia or New South Wales to, to live and work. And technology has allowed us to virtually do that um, mm-hmm. rather than being you know, in the city locked up, uh, not able to go anywhere. So uh, there's been a resurgence of you know, living, living in the country, living on the, away from the city, which is interesting. You know, yeah. it's certainly, we're certainly noticing it in, yeah. in our commissions. Let's just talk about a bit like your, your background and, and just interested. Were you born and raised in Sydney? Yep, yep. Both of those, born and raised in Sydney, absolutely. Um, uh, went to school in Sydney and then went to university in Sydney. So, yeah, complete Sydney cider. And were you a creative kid growing up? Um, I, not, in, not, in, not in an architectural sense. I, I have a vague recollection of... Uh, working with in, in the timber workshop at school. And I was, I, I remember in high school, I was a mad keen photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely the art department was out of bounds. I, I, I couldn't draw and I, and I had no interest at school mm-hmm. in, in, in art in the sense that art and architecture go together, but which, which presented a few issues, I think, um, once I got to university studying architecture because, uh, you know, you're meant to be able to draw, but I, I seem to be able to uh, work my way through university by making models and photographing them, which was probably um, my saviour. Oh, wow. What is it about drawing? You just didn't, didn't take to it? Um, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I certainly have taken it to it in a later life, yeah. um, and now I love it, and it's certainly... Uh, I find it, you know, incredibly relaxing and, in, in, and you know, a fantastic way of, of, of what I call uh, the universal language of, of drawing, you know, and, and sketching and everything. You know, you don't need to uh, – everybody understands that. It's, it's, a, it's a, com- a common language. Um, and I, I certainly learnt to do it, and I think, I think everybody's creative. They just don't always get the opportunity, and I didn't yeah. have the opportunity. I wasn't pushed or – encouraged so it it only happened at a later date when the opportunity arose and uh and and now i love it it's interesting talking to a lot of architects in this series um majority of them i think everyone actually were passionate about drawing and they drew from a from an early age i guess and it's interesting my daughter gia she's doing a she's 18 she's doing interior design course and she's i guess drawing was even though she was surrounded by you know, my business and design, et cetera, in the home, um, is that at school, the schools that she went to specifically didn't really, well, she didn't really kind of get into art, the art class as much as I thought she would have done. And so just watching her, you know, she felt very uncomfortable sketching. And I felt really bad that I hadn't exposed her to gaining her confidence or creative confidence in sketching and, and putting things down on paper in a way that she felt comfortable with. And it's, but it's, it's exciting to see that she's actually, because she's now chosen to do interior design, that she's actually, her mindset's completely different to actually being told to listen and learn. Um, and so it's never too late, I guess. It's interesting what you're just saying, because I, I quite like that that story around, you, may, you made it work despite that you you weren't drawing, but now you've kind of come. You know, I, I, I think, I think you, you're, you're exactly right in your assessment of, of your daughter sort of thing. You know, if, you, if you're told to do something or you have to do something, uh, especially drawing or artistic sort of pursuits, you really want to do it from the heart and you really want to be doing it, not, not being told to do it. And I think 
that's that's the difference. And, or, and, or someone still, marking it too. That someone's you can do it, and it's going to be compared to all the other team the classmates and things like that, which is a bit off-putting, isn't it? I, yeah, I think it's an inhibitor of you know of, of enjoyment of it. And I think you know the beauty of drawing and sketching is it's it's actually a very enjoyable um, pastime process or, or 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 you know a profession. Um, and and uh, if if it's forced on you, it's 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 perhaps uh, not not so not so enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I understand you were you were in London in the eighties, is that right? Uh, yeah, after after university, like um, like lots of people, you've done six years at university, you're busting to to break out. And um, I was fortunate to get a a scholarship, a travelling scholarship, uh, in England. Um, and that, that enabled me to, uh, s- travel all around England, Ireland and Scotland, uh, working on historic buildings, working with the, with the tradesmen doing, you know, cobbling, thatching, stonemasonry. Wow. And it's a scholarship that's been going for a hundred years, but set up by William Morris and John wow. Ruskin. And it, it sort of, it, for, it, it's been given to graduate architects, you know, for the last hundred years. And it, it really uh, enables you to understand history, understand materiality, and and the sensitivity of, of of working with historic buildings and 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 how important you know preservation and keeping your you know the built environment is. That's amazing! Wow, it must be. Was it limited numbers on that course? Um, yeah, that was three. You were it was it. You were called a scholar, which I, I thought was always pretty funny. Because um, I'd never really thought of myself as being particularly scholarly, but yeah, three scholars a year, um, and you you lived and worked with the tradesmen uh, for a year as you travelled around England, Ireland, and Scotland, working on the most amazing uh, medieval buildings and churches and old 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 sort of Norman barns. Uh, it was you know for an Australian, it was uh, an amazing experience um, to to be able to be injected into into that that area god that's that's incredible i would love to do that it's interesting so so you, you is a how old were you when you went to london uh i would have been you know, 20 23 wow was that your first time uh yeah yeah and, yeah first time sort of out of australia opening. just you know got on a big airplane with a one-way ticket went for my interview for the scholarship because i really didn't know what i was going to do if i didn't get it but mm-hmm. fortunately i got it Mm-hmm. And um, never looked back. And was it scary? I mean, it was, it was that was a big move, right? It was. It you know, when you're young, it's it's it, those sort of things uh, aren't such a a big deal. But uh, it was it was a bit scary arriving, uh, you know, in the middle of winter, coming out of a sort of uh, oh god the, the Australian summer, yeah. um, and then going for this interview in this sort of big, uh, you know, 17th century building and sitting around an enormous table with, you know, the Lord this and Lord that and all these sort of very, uh, very English people that, that ran this society, which gave this scholarship. Uh, I was slightly uh, intimidated thinking that, that I was, uh, you know, a colonial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, I think that sort of, that, uh, that that difference helped me. Yeah, I bet you're tanned, blonde, floppy hair. <laughs> well, it certainly wasn't as white as everybody else in the room. <laughs> Were you in shorts? 
<laughs> but I was freezing to death in my T-shirt. <laughs> Uh, how funny! I guess at that time more people did that went overseas for their for their learning. I guess the the quality of education here has increased enormously since the eighties, hasn't it? Look, I think I think the education here was was fine. It was the, it was that need to travel, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I mean, uh, if 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 given that opportunity, I would just you know be constantly traveling. You know, it's just a. a, a it's so much fun, yeah. um, you know, and that need to sort of go and see the world. I think you know it still exists. You know we're yeah. we're a long way away from everywhere else. It's it's and there's so much else to see. And and you know you can look at pictures, you can look at films, um, but you know being there, you know experiencing meeting the people is it's everything. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of meeting people, you met your wife Caroline. Did you not meet her in London? Uh, I I did actually meet her in a uh, in a nightclub in London uh, for the first time um, when I was in London on that on that scholarship um and then uh she came back to australia and i stayed in london for about four or five years um and then on return from england uh that's when we got together and we've been together since let's go back to the nightclub what were you dancing to in the 80s <laughs> i think it was called Stringfellows. did you ever oh my in? god peter Stringfellows place <laughs> in covent garden <laughs> Wow, it was uh, it was the place, and you know, yeah. in your twenties, to be in London, it was a pretty amazing city. Were you there every uh, night? You're one of these guys yeah. who was hanging out there. <laughs> I, I, I had a job in an architectural office, and I, I, I in London, and I remember, you know, we'd go out all night and and virtually turn up in the office in the morning, yeah. um, and and sit at the desk trying to, and, and, and this old guy who was a, 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 called a draftsman in those days, he, he'd come up and he had a big schmock on and he'd give me a, a, a sort of a barocca and a cup of coffee and he said, tell me what you did last night. Oh, my God. And, I, you know, I think, I think he sort of lived vicariously through my, uh, my stories of what, what was happening because, you know, his life was... A, a, moved on into another into another area but you know they He's were probably younger than you were than you are now right or <laughs> <laughs> oh, i am sorry <laughs> he uh it was in, in the days when you, you know you had drawing boards and uh it was a long long time ago uh, you know uh and computers. uh and I, I remember you'd go out to lunch and uh the boss would come around and he had a big rubber on a, on a on a rope around his uh, neck, a bit like a soap on a rope, and he'd look at your drawing, and it had to be in pencil. You did you, all your drawings were in pencil, and if he didn't like what you'd drawn, he'd just get this big rubber and erase it. Oh my so you, god! You, you'd come back from lunch, and all the work that you did in the morning was gone. <laughs> oh my god! And, you'd feel and violated. You'd sort of go, and so I'd have to call this guy over and say, oh, you know, what do I do? You know, how do I, you know, what, what have I done wrong? Wow. That was, uh, that was the early days of uh, architectural uh, practice. Well, that's a real controlling thing, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you can't do that anymore. You probably get in trouble <laughs> well, from fair work or something. If you, if you went onto somebody's computer and pressed delete, you know, I mean, you'd be, uh, you'd be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's interesting, too, because uh, Australians, I, I've no, noticed Australians really have a really pretty cool laid back 
approach to things too. I'd imagine you you were pretty pretty laid back, especially work you know being out partying all night. You were you very productive during the day. I mean, no not, wonder. Not really. He's probably, he probably is just erasing kind of doodles and puke well, and stuff that you put on there. Considering I really couldn't draw very well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I was there for the entertainment factor, really. Um, that, uh, yeah, so I, I did actually progress through about four different companies, and I'm, maybe that was to do with the uh, with my inability to draw. But uh, yeah. It, it, I, I did. I did learn lots, and I met a lot of wonderful people. And it certainly grounded me in, uh, you know, history, uh, and gave me a whole sort of sort of approach, which I can I, I find now is coming out. Yeah. What other, What other firms did you work with? Um, I worked. None of them were uh, of, of any. You know, they were all fairly small firms, um, and you know. Which which enabled you to get an enormous amount of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the the smaller the firm, you know, the more variety of work that you get to do. Yeah. The bigger the firm, the more specialised you end up, you know, doing. I always remember when I came back to Australia, I worked on the the restoration of the the Queen Victoria building. Oh yeah, and and uh, it was a huge it was a huge company. And after about nine months of drawing lights, which was my job. I, I decided that was enough and I, I had to leave because wow. I, I couldn't, I didn't want to see another light. You started Casey Brown uh, with yes. Caroline, uh, which yes. is really cool. When, when was that? Oh, and how yeah. did that come about? Uh, Caroline's been with me since the very beginning. We started uh, in a little shop front in Paddington. Um, we, we had a little, we put a model in the front window. She was at that stage, uh, had just finished textiles at, at, uh, at at Sydney College of the Arts, and uh, she had her own uh, business making clothes. Wow. And uh, she was upstairs and we were downstairs, um, and it was this tiny sort of nine-foot-wide terrace house shop in Paddington. Yeah. And that's that's where we started. We put a model in the front window, and um, I remember, you know, this, this lo- lovely lady walked past pushing her baby and looked in the window and saw the model and came in and said, you know, uh, we're doing a place around the corner and that was the beginning of it. And uh, it, oh, wow. it sort of started that way. And eventually she got sick of um, the fashion industry and the, the sort of the superficiality of, and seeing what we did downstairs, she decided uh, to, to move uh, fields and she came and sort of joined us uh, bringing her textiles. And then she, she, she and I both went to New York. She went to Parsons and I went to Columbia um wow. and she she did interiors and became sort of a furniture designer and has worked on the sort of the special special projects within the office um doing the sort of the fine detail within each project and and brings a a completely different sort of perspective from the architectural perspective from the rest of the team mm. uh, which you know, only only enhances the collaboration that's brilliant how how does that been um, you know, in a creative couple, I mean, I guess you, you've been together for a very long time, so you won't know an alternative, but it's obviously that works well for you, um, similar interests. I think, I think, I think any, any, anybody who has to survive a long, long relationship, it's great to have, you know, a lot of things in common and, you yeah. know, that sort of interest in art, architecture and everything creative, you know, it just gives you another facet to, to always uh, be talking about other than, you know, the kids or, complaining about this or that uh and you know, i think being creative allows you 
two creatives, uh, you know, you, and especially different creatives, you know, mm-hmm. what she does and what I do is completely different. And she approaches it from a different angle uh, to what I do. Uh, it, it, there's no competition. It's, it's actually uh, a fantastic sort of critique. It was interesting because I, I bumped into her the other day. She was down at Bogola Beach and she mentioned that she was doing some hardware designing project too. So uh, with, with a local person, I think Jen Kerr um, of um, uh, Eco Outdoor um, here in Australia. So uh, that's quite cool. Yeah, no, that's the latest of the sort of special projects uh, with, in a, I think it's called Common Form mm-hmm. and it's yep. uh, to produce a, architectural hardware range and um we've been doing hardware you know since day dot but you know one or two pieces in each house we've always wanted to get involved but really it's it it requires the expertise of of jen and her and her company and her backup to make it real um and it's great that you know caroline will be the sort of the lead bringing a sort of a completely you know different different approach and mm. you know it's 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 a it's a fantastic opportunity which we're looking forward to yeah yeah exactly let's just talk a bit more about permanent camping um and the permanent <laughs> camping you've, you've you've done it again so 15 years later you've done permanent camping too um and it's how did that come about did, did you just have another client that wanted something similar or similar but bigger or like how, uh, we had we had a we had a, a another client who we uh, bought uh, sorry who we probably about ten years ago we did a, a beach house for so they were a sort of a long established client sold the beach house bought a farm down at Perry and uh, had always admired permanent camping one um, and uh, said they wanted to do uh, sort of a, another one and 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 we'd never actually done another one the first one was the first one and we thought that was probably it um <laughs> so we i suppose that the difference between uh what we call pc1 and pc2 um is you know it's the it's a new model um it, the, the original was the basic model this this one has all the bells and whistles it's it's in a different environment so it has a, some subtle changes but mm-hmm. uh yeah it's the it's the same sort of thing but totally different location the the original on a mountain, you know, in the middle of New South Wales, uh, overlooking a lake. This one uh, on the south coast in the lush green sort of paddocks of, of Berry overlooking the Pacific Ocean. That's amazing. This is one of my favourite spots down there. In fact, Luke and I came to see you a few years ago because we were looking at doing a permanent camping scenario in Kangaroo Valley, which unfortunately fell through because of our backers. Um, at the time or the the land was just so expensive and we couldn't get the couldn't get a kind of a, a good deal on that um but i, I you know i'd wish could you imagine just seeing you know i don't know 10 of those in a row would have been spectacular yeah i i, I do remember that meeting and um, and you never came back <laughs> yeah i said i had to put some money in the meter i think it was <laughs> look and i know, legged it no we, we we had yeah that's just kind of a it's hard, isn't it, having a conversation about an idea you've got that isn't 100% locked in? Because yeah. often you're, fear, you're fearful of this kind of conversation that afterwards, years down the track, someone says, you know what, you never came back to me on that. Uh, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be happy we didn't go to anybody else either. So it didn't happen. I'm still having sleepless nights about that goddamn project because I want to still make it happen. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd always uh, dreamed that, that somebody um, would buy uh, you know, 
an amazing piece of land, you know, maybe in Tasmania along a river or along the coast, and, and you'd actually have a, a walk between the, these uh, those huts. Yeah. And uh, or you know, a, along a trout fishing river, and you'd you'd, you'd fish and, and move along to the next hut, you know, yeah. and it would be part of a part of a sort of a, a trail or a, a thing. And and it's interesting that that was the original idea, and and now of course in Tasmania, um, and I'm sure in other parts of the world. This, this sort of this sort of concept of walking between cabins and walking between huts and yeah. staying on them is is now a, a, a quite thing. a theme which which has been developed you know, uh, as as a, as a sort of a a tourist uh, enterprise business plan. Yeah, that was a plug, wasn't it? You're trying to get people to buy PC three four five six seven eight nine ten. Absolutely, it's already been designed, folks. You know, it's the that's right. It's just royalty fees, I guess. Well, how, how are you going to make that work? Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Let's talk about that too, because um, I've often thought that, like every every single person I know who's ever done a house or done any project, they always want to do something new and and original. But there must be. It's interesting to kind of to say, well, actually, I like that house. Not a kit house. Not a, not a off the. Well, I guess it is kind of off the plan. You're kind of buying it. A planned or someone's already designed it why can't i buy you know the uh, charles uh, the eames house in california and put it in avalon well I, I i think um you know the eames house was designed for a particular place for a particular client for a particular environment um and all of those sort of that focus on that particular era and that time and everything was appropriate then and appropriate for that place and everything. And I think, you know, of, of, to transport that out of, out of that environment and out of that time frame and, and, and everything uh, might be, uh, you know, inappropriate. And I think, I think the, the difference is that this is, this is a bit like a, a tent and, you know, you can take your tent to many different locations um, and, and enjoy uh, you know the different scenery. This mm. this is a, a permanent tent. Um, it could be repeated, um, but it, it's in, it's interesting. We are doing um, the third version of this, and it's nothing like the original. It's it's the same concept of um, a, you know, a very very simple building, a bed and a and a bathroom, but it's it's completely different in its form and its shape and its materials. Mm. Um, so the, the 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 essence of the idea. Is repeating, but mm-hmm. perhaps not the actual physical form. Oh, that's interesting. So that must have been fun for you to evolve that. Yeah, I think I think I think it, it's it's in the um, it, it's in the idea of 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 what we're trying to achieve. You know, that sort of getting back to nature, simplicity. That sort of uh, I, I like the description. You know, everything you need and nothing you don't need. Uh, you know, is is. Uh, it's pairing the building back to, to really the bare essentials. And that can be done in a number of different ways and for a number of different environments. And, and that's, that's the sort of the theme that we've, we've developed with PC3. You have a kind of peculiar description of it. I want to just read it. <laughs> Describe it as part ancient Egypt, Egyptian, part flower and part Ned Kelly helmet, a la Sidney Nolan. Sydney Nolan. What does that mean? <laughs> what is that? Uh, well, I, 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 it's not actually my my uh, my description. It's it's the uh, 
the art, the architecture critic Philip Drew uh, wrote a wrote a wrote a piece, and they were his uh, his words, which I think the media and everybody else has has uh, adopted as as a description, which I suppose helps helps uh, the reader uh, interpret the form and everything. That you know, it, it, it it's just a you know, some people call it a spaceship. Some people call it a TARDIS. You know, I mean, it's it can be called all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not my words. They're somebody else uh, interpreting the the form and 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 giving it a description. I suppose. I mean, do you, do you agree to that description? Uh, oh, look, I don't mind the flower idea. That's 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 quite sort of yeah, poetic in nature and and poignant in 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 that you know a flower. Uh, during the day, uh, sort of opens up its petals to accept the sun, and and to to and then at night closes up. And in some ways, ah. this, building, this this building, you know, does the same when you're when you're in occupation, when you're there. The sides all open up uh, with pulleys and 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 things, allowing you, you to to enjoy nature and to to see out. Uh, and then when you leave, um, you know, you can close it down and it's fully protected, uh, just like a flower is at night. Mm, wonderful. Was there any challenges with that when you were designing that? Um, well, the first of- one was a, was a pretty big challenge, um, I suppose, the location. You know, um, it, it, it wasn't accessible by road. Um, it literally was accessible on a four-wheel drive uh, for about an hour through the bush. Um, and that that presented enormous difficulties getting the building in all the bits there. So the whole thing was was made in in a in a double story warehouse in Mona Vale, as I said before. Then we had to disassemble it mm-hmm. um, and, and put it on a on a truck in, in little pieces, like a sort of uh, a Lego, and then transport it to the site and then erect it. And all the joints and all the parts of it, obviously, because it had already been pre-erected were done in a sort of the uh, traditional sort of way where you could separate them all. There was no glue or anything. It was all uh, traditional sort of jointing, uh, timber jointing, mm. uh, which allowed us to put it together. We, we didn't have any machines. Everything had to be uh, done on site without electricity or water and everything. It was a very remote location. So there were many things to overcome, um, but, you know, it, it, it provided it. Uh, for a unique location, which you know, is pretty good. Mm, amazing. Um, do you think we overcomplicate our lives and our homes? I think we do a little bit, which, which you know, is just a sign of the times. You know, we, we need this and we need that in it, 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 everything. And I think sometimes when people see these little buildings like that, it's sort of the contrast between uh, the five en suites and, you know, your enormous house, you know, is is... It's, it's, it's this contrast that I think people are finding interesting um, and we find interesting to because we do we do the big houses and we do the little houses. It's We, we don't sort of do one or the other. Um, but, yeah, the houses are getting more sophisticated, definitely. And I think it's interesting that when you were, we met the other day, um, you said that your, your house in Avalon is, was one of the first houses built there. Yeah, look, it's... Uh, it was, uh, it's actually called Avalon and it was the, the original sort of project home, um, which the developer or Mr. Small, uh, he, he bought all the land here at sort of the turn of 19th century um, and then uh, divided it all up 
and uh, he, he built one house as his show house, which is the house that we live in. Uh, and people would come here, see this house, and then go and buy a plot of land. And that was, uh, that was how the, the, the area developed slowly. How amazing. But it's interesting as an architect that you didn't want to, I mean, you've obviously extended it. I haven't seen it because COVID won't let, allow me to go into your house. Well, just um, over the back fence. <laughs> I'll pop, pop round. I'll pop round. It's interesting. To, I just think it's interesting because, you know, you have the opportunity, I guess, to design and build your own home. But you decide, ah. you decide on, is it the location? Is it the house, the character of the house that you love? Is it sustainability? Prior to this, prior to this we, we, uh, we lived uh, over at Mackerel Beach, which is in the National Park. Yeah. Right on a beach, which was always a, a dream of mine from, from, from childhood. I always wanted to live uh, on a beach, uh, not realising that that would be quite a difficult feat. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> but we, we, but that, that was realised and we, we, did, we did live on a beach for 10 years, which was pretty amazing in a national park. Uh, but that gets a little tricky with four kids. So uh, we moved oh. back to Avalon, which is only a stone's throw away from, from where, where we were. Yeah. Um, and we, we looked for houses uh, in Avalon for, for quite a number of years um, and couldn't find anything that, that we liked uh, f- that was for sale, a bit like you, uh, in, your, in your quest for a house. Yeah. Uh, and, and we finally boiled down. I found four houses. I sent them four letters, uh, very nicely written, explaining how wonderful the house was and how wonderful we were. And uh, one of them replied, and it's this house. And over, he was a Frenchman, and over many cups of coffee and croissants, uh, the mm-hmm. deal was done, and we moved in. And, he, and, uh, and it's 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 a combination of the new and the old, which in some ways was harked back to, to some of my very early experience in England um, yeah. of, working, of working with uh, you know an, an original, beautiful old building. Um, and and then obviously extending and, and having you know the new and the old together. Yeah, fabulous combination. And was it an, Eng- an Eng- English architect that designed it initially? Uh, I I don't know. I think it was. I don't think it was an architect designed house. It really was a project house. It probably relatively uh, pattern book style. You know, a, yeah. a sort of bungalow type house, uh, very much typical of its time. Uh, you know, stone base, timber uh, building, uh, you know, relatively simple, but, you know, amazingly practical. A couple of Christmases ago, we hired a place. The family went to Mackerel Beach and we stayed next door to what turned out to be your house that you'd recently had designed, Hart House uh, in Mackerel Beach, um, which sold a little while ago. But um, spectacular. It's a spe- such a spectacular spot, my God. And just for people listening in, it, it's it's a beach that's across in Pitwater, across from Palm Beach that you can only get to by boat, and it backs onto the national park, so you can't drive there apparently. Um, but it's just incredible. You have to go by ferry or by your boat to get there back and forth. And I, I, I just love this Pitwater area where people on Scotland Island or, um, uh, you know, there's other areas along mm-hmm. the area on the other side on the national park area. They have to own. They can only get there by boat. And they all have tinnies, and it's it's just very romantic idea. Um, doesn't look so good in the on a rainy day, but what a wonderful what, what just talk about that as a lifestyle. I know Deborah Bibby, who we've had on on the podcast too. She lives across the water, and she's got a little tinny as well, which she's very, you know, uh, talks very kind of passionately about. Um, what's it like with especially when you have four young kids too? Oh, look, um, 
going to school in a tinny um, is 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 beats getting on the school bus. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're going across and there's some dolphins, or or all of a sudden you say, "It's it's a day like today, which is absolutely beautiful," and you go, "Well, let's go fishing," you know. <laughs> yeah. And oh, look, it's it's a it's a, a unique opportunity to live near nature, uh, to 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 live away from. Uh, you know, to live in the bush, really, uh, but but actually be very very close to the city, um, and going and being on the water it adds another complete dimension to your uh, sense of well being and just sense of freedom. Uh, it's ever changing in in its light and its color. Uh, mm. It's it's and and it's it, it presents a never ending opportunities for kids to do things. You know, they're never bored. Our kids were never never ever bored. They, you know, they were never came in and said, "I'm bored." Uh, you know, there was always something to do, yeah. uh, go and see and, and everything. And it's, it's, it's definitely um, influenced them. Um, and it was, it was a, a fantastic place to, for them to grow up and for us to, uh, you know, be parents with a lot of kids uh, on a place that uh, pr- pr- provided all that opportunity. Oh, it's magical, isn't it? Magical. It's like, it's like being on holiday the whole time, isn't it? Yeah, I, at, at night time I'd come back. Yeah, I still, you know, I have an office in the city, studio in the city, and I, I'd come back. And it'd be dark, and I'd, I'd get into the tinny um, and hope that I had enough petrol, uh, <laughs> and, and, and hope it wasn't raining, and I hoped it wasn't a big wind, and I'd head off, you know, following following a distant light on the other side of the of the bay. Uh, and, and I always remember Caroline say, what happens when you, you know, something goes wrong? And I said, I've got the phone, you know, yeah. and as, as if anybody would come and pick me up in the middle of pit water in the middle of the night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that no, was, it was, uh, it is like going on a holiday every day. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think it just naturally just slows you down too, doesn't it? Cause you're just so amongst nature. Um, and and I think, you know, that, that gets back to your, you know, your description of, you know, your childhood camping in Canada. You know, that, that, that sense of being out in nature, you know, allows you, uh, brings on all sorts of great feelings and, and interesting sensations of peace and serenity. Yeah, and it's interesting, the the camping, but also like you talk about Canada, but I remember, you know, going skiing in the mountains or, you know, just going around um, the national parks and stuff. And there'd be a lot of like log cabins, which are just 100% made out of wood. You know, they're just literally logs cut from local trees in the area and just cut and, and, and put together. And the smell of these things were wonderful. The, the log fire, the wood, it just felt there's something about it, just that, that, that sweet smell of being amongst nature and being in, in something which just felt really, really right. I, I always I always remember reading something about how brilliantly nature has designed things. Mm-hmm. And you know when you when you when you go walking in the park, and you know we're fortunate here that you know we live in a forest, uh, virtually, and there's the coast, the headlands, there's Pitwater, there's a Karingai Chase. Wherever you look, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at the rocks, at the trees, the plants, whatever. They're all fascinating and absolutely beautiful, and it really makes you want to stop and just take it all in. You know, so often we we sort of walk past things and we don't stop and and understand how it's designed or how it's drawn, you know, how the light's affecting the tree. It's, it's a, it's a, just an opportunity to, to see things that were always, you know, not designed by us, not, not human, um, and, and, you know, all by nature. And we're this, this 
particular part of you know Sydney is is absolutely full of it. Yeah, it really is. It's interesting. It, your your buildings, your homes, they they seem to naturally sit in nature. Is that is that? I mean, I presume that's got to be deliberate. I mean, you're you're. You know the the house in in Mackerel Beach, um, Heart House, obviously was designed for somebody else, but you would I guess you'd had the experience of living there for ten years, so you were more sympathetic about the place location and the appropriateness of of what materials to use and uh, the light, etc. I I think um, living living a couple of doors up from from that house, and we've done a number of houses at at, at Mackerel Beach, mm-hmm. uh, having having that that. Mm-hmm day-to-day, season-to-season um, experience of, of, of the place um, in, in respect to, you know, where the sun rises, you know, where the cold winds are, uh, you know, all, all the attributes of the, of, of the place, which, which come from longer than a cursory look or a cursory visit, mm. um, definitely helped, you know, helped in the, in the fine-tuning of the design um, and, and understanding, you know, and I, 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 both buildings that we've done uh, have, have a large amount of glass and I was always, and no heating. Mm-hmm. And I was always uh, very concerned that, and, and that was a deliberate uh, request from the clients, that, that they were going to freeze to death in winter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was all to do with the aspect of the glass mm-hmm. uh, and and both both of those buildings with a large amount of glass and the clients uh, got back to me over many years saying how how the house in, in winter was toasty. Wow. And I, I thought without heating, with the right aspect and the right sort of shading and the right mm-hmm. de- devices, uh, you know, as long as the sun was out, the house was was comfortable to live in. Wow. So that wasn't that wasn't guesswork. Did you I mean did you did you think that might be the outcome it, it well I, I suppose the trial and error at, at our own house uh on mackerel beach sort of allowed me to think that it, it would work and it certainly uh we, we enlarged the amount of glass enormously in the new buildings relative to the building we had and it it, it worked in theory but it was kind of wonderful to know that it it worked actually in reality i think it's 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 interesting too just the yeah, it's, if people hadn't been to this area, well, they wouldn't understand or experience it. But just seeing a house being built across the water, I mean, it's not an easy task, is it? It's like big kind of... Um, no, no, what, no, what the, uh, like, the builder... Um, getting, the builder getting all the materials there. Oh, really? <laughs> well, uh, only in respect that, that the sites are about 60 degrees. Yeah. The, only, the only way you can get there is on, on a barge. Yeah, barge. Uh, yeah. There's there's no uh, no machines, so everything has to be done by hand, um, and uh, the the other way of getting stuff there is by helicopter, and and that's what we used uh, helicopters to to uh, deliver the steel and to deliver the timbers and things. Wow. Um, and that's that's a sort of you know an extreme type of building. Yeah. Uh, and you know. The workers had to come across in a boat. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's an adventure, definitely. Do you like that type of project? It sounds like you do. Really I difficult ones. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, why is that? 
the whole team, the, first of all, the client has to be passionate about the place because obviously, you know, they can't drive their car in. They've got to come across by boat. So they're, yeah. they're going to be of a certain type of people that are sort of more adventurous into nature and, you know, looking at a different way of living and, and, and enjoy some of those things. And then, of course, all the team that, that are working on it, uh, the builders, everybody down to the last guys, you know, they also have to uh, endure the the the, uh, the positioning and the location and and some of the issues. Uh, so it, it, it's basically you know it's a keen team uh, from from the design down to 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 the client to the to the builders and it, that's that's the joy of that. How many times did the builders get onto the onto site and go, God damn it, I forgot the hammer, or <laughs> hang on, I didn't get any milk for the tea, <laughs> I forgot my lunch. <laughs> I mean, go, oh my god. I think um, in one of the sites there, which was, was called Alcatraz, they, they, did go, <laughs> they did go through 40, 40 labourers. Oh, um, my God. Because we, we had to excavate the site out in stone and, you know, it was literally the stones were chipped in, out in, in a sort of Egyptian um, quarrying methods. And uh, I think, you know, a labourer would come for the day and then just he'd disappear the next day. He'd never turn up, you know. And really? It was just too hard. Uh, but the neighbours uh, liked it too. Well, <laughs> the, the, the beauty of, uh, of over there, you know, the, the, there was no machine. So it was just a, a hand hand cutting the rock um, and everything. And it only took 10 years, but it looks beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> how, long did it, how long did it take? It took longer than it would normally. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. yeah no. um, well, Obviously, you haven't. You've done more than two buildings in your life, right? Let's talk about what else you're doing and what you've done that you're really proud of. Um, we've we've done a, a variety of things: um, houses outside of the city, houses in the city, um, and and I suppose you know we've got a portfolio where they're all they're all different, um, and and we love the idea of of each one being different. You know, we have a different client, a different site, a different brief. A, a different background um, and while there's an overriding sort of uh, level of, of design quality and approach each one you know physically looks quite different and I think that's that's that sort of reinvention that the, the, the newness of each one has been exciting um, and we've been privileged to be able to work in a sort of uh, a field of, of, of one-off houses uh, which which the clients uh, have, I suppose, it, it, unlike certain parts of architecture, uh, houses are you know people's passion, mm. and that 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 passion comes out in the building, comes out in the in in the interest in the project. Um, and I think everybody, it's like having kids, you know, it's it's a, it's a major project, it's a major commitment, um, and and it should be a major, you know. Thing in your life that you enjoy and, yeah. and making that whole process enjoyable fun and and having a big effect on your life is you know what a good a good house can do yeah well, that's lovely you say that i mean obviously the the time the energy the uncertainty of of designing or redesigning a home uh, for a lot of people must be phenomenally stressful i mean moving homes stressful stressful enough <laughs> you know to have a year plus, it often is several years in the making, right? Yeah, that, I mean, that, I th that... but I think, you know, a lot of people, um, 
uh, and and I, I remember you talking to other architects, you know, I think, I think everybody is creative. It's just the opportunities to come to some people and, and not to others. And I think a lot of people that uh, have been successful or a lot of people who want to build a house uh, want to be creative, but, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to do architecture or be involved in things like you do and I do. Yeah. Um, and this is an opportunity to express that creativity and to get involved in the process uh, when they do do their own house. Um, and, and, and they, they love it. You know, that, that sort of creative uh, process. Uh, we, you know, we, we've found that we've got some um, real creative um, client junkies, you know, they're really yeah. into the process. They love it. Fantastic. And that feeling when you, when it's done, that must be so incredible. I've never actually done one myself yet, <laughs> but but that feeling that that first night in your new place that you spent years planning and seen builders working on it, that the light, the feeling, I mean, it must be incredible. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully, you, you know, you get a call the next day, you know, <laughs> saying, "Oh, you know, we love it," rather than it leaks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, we forgot the windows. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you said uh, we didn't want you didn't want any. We couldn't have any heating in here. Do you think? <laughs> how about one of those little fans? Do you reckon we could have one of those, please, Rob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Oh, look, I, I, I think uh, for, for an architect, you know, the idea of of, of of some realizing an idea in your head and then being able to to walk through it and be inside it, yeah, and then and then see people's reaction. Yeah. to that and and see their enjoyment and see their 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 uh Release. how it affects their life and is, is a pretty significant sort of thing to take uh something from you know inside your brain in, into reality how does it affect them i mean talk a bit more about that like how have you seen the change in people well look, we've had a few i mean it, hopefully hopefully it has significant impact on on their lifestyle, on how they how they can enjoy their time off, or their depending on where whether it's a holiday house or their main house, I think I think it, it does it does impact them. Um, it's interesting. We we had two projects where the client rang up and they had uh, they had friends for lunch, and their their friends had never seen the house, and and they said that the, when these guests arrived, they started crying. And I was sort of thinking, oh, that's terrible. What, what, <laughs> what was the problem? You know, yeah. what happened? You know, <laughs> and everything. And he said the house brought them to tears. And I, I was quite shocked that that would happen. Yeah. I've heard of other occurrences when people have been in certain buildings and certain places that it, that it can have an emotional effect on you. And yeah. um, a good building, you know, should, should bring out emotions, um, hopefully good ones um but yeah i i think it, i think a good building will definitely uh you know let the light in um and inspire you know you'll get a, a good sort of feeling from a building you know and, and i think there is such a thing as feng shui in a building you know some buildings are good and and you feel good in them it's, it's a hard thing to put pinpoint but it, it it is definitely there so the windowless string fellows never influenced you then so <laughs> <laughs> the nightclub, the nightclub, the dungeon, or whatever. Um, but yeah. just when you, why, why were they crying? Did you did you dig a bit deeper? Did you? Like... Um, 
I, I, I was, they just said they, 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 they found the house beautiful and, and, and the spaces and, and what it was doing to them. I, I, I don't think they understood either. Um, but I wasn't there. It was, it was a relayed message, but it was, I, I thought that was a fan. I, I, I thought later that that was a fantastic response in some ways, um, in a positive response, obviously. Uh, but I was intrigued. I, I probably should have asked more questions, but I was sort of a bit taken aback by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about, I mean, obviously thinking that more people should be able to live in that type of environment in this country, in this city, it's extortionate to, to design and build a house, isn't it? Um, yeah. Especially when you're looking at kind of fairly basic materials, but it's how you've curated it and designed it and laid it out that makes it magical. Um, you really want more people to be able to afford to have that living in that type of environment, which makes them cry or makes them feel good every day or makes them feel enhances their lives. I think enhances their life is, is the criteria. And, and it's interesting, you know, working in this field, has has what we've done is for the last 15 years I've, I've uh, spent one day a week teaching at, at university in a, in a in a sort of a an area where which is completely different to what I work in um, uh, cool. in, in my day job sort of thing uh, teaching it's it's called social agency and it's it's working in um, for communities that are le- are less fortunate than us mm-hmm. um, and, and allowing me to take students uh, on a hands-on sort of approach. We've been to India, wow. um, we've been uh, to Cambodia um, and done bamboo buildings and slum relocation there. Um, so there's lots of opportunity uh, to, to take, take the knowledge that we develop, you know, uh, in, in the buildings we do and, and use it in, in pe- for people less fortunate and, and at university, the, the students love that sort of ability at uh, looking at uh, a broader context of, of, of potential work than, than just mm. you know, straight architecture. God, that's so cool you do that, Rob. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, um, you know, harking back to that sort of hands-on early days that I, that I had in England where you, you're actually physically, you know, building a bamboo building in Cambodia or, you, or you're working mm. in um, Alanabad in the, in the sort of heritage, world heritage sort of walled city uh, in the slums there working out how to improve, uh, the, you know, the life of, of some of the people there. And, and it's a more basic improvement than perhaps, you know, what we do in Avalon. But, it, you know, it is improving their life. And, and you know, whether it's in Amanabad or it's in Avalon, you know, I think that's, that's the architect's job. Mm. Nice, nice. Good comeback. Um, what do you do outside of work? Um, oh, look, I think if I could, I'd travel. <laughs> a never-end, yeah. a never-ending traveller. Uh, you love travelling. I know, I love travelling. Just love love being in another place. I, 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 it's sort of like when you get on the aeroplane, you just leave all the, the baggage of, of, of the bad baggage behind and you just take the good baggage with you. Um, is that your family or just... Like <laughs> you travel no, by yourself or you go with the no, family no they're all enamored tra- travelers they all come too oh, okay cool it is a spectacular uh, feeling isn't it when you go to another place yeah it's just that transportation out of your own comfort zone and out of your own sort of uh house and 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 country and everything is 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 is, is a unique wonderful you know 
crying experience, you know, cryingly good. Um, yeah, look, I'd love to do that. And obviously we're a little uh, kiboshed at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that just forces us to travel a little closer to home. And, um, you know, that's, 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 that's also just as good. We just have to uh, appreciate it. Are you a surfer? No, I've got I've got two two sons that are avid surfers, but mm-hmm. uh, I was never brought up to surf. So I, I think it, it is something that you you probably uh, need to start early. Um, yeah, I tried that, and failed. But <laughs> I'm very envious of the guys that have grown up around here that just are on the, are surfing every day of their I life. Think, I think being out in the ocean, uh, I know that with our kids, they just loved it, and it it. it it was like taking your dog for a walk. You know, if they hadn't gone for a surf every day, uh, you know, there'd be the energy would be piling up. But if they'd been for their surf, they were they were little little puppy dogs. Yeah, how sweet. So, do you exercise at all? Do you walk? Oh, with you, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was more of a stroll. It was. I, a stroll. I had the French the Frenchies with us, and they were they were rather slow. Yeah, well, well, you, well, you were working off the croissant, and I was working off the dinner. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I think I think walking and swimming and you know exercising and you know I've got two of those very fast kayaks sitting in our garage. Oh. They haven't been out for a while, but you know, uh, we, we yeah, there's plenty to do here and and and, and plenty of exercise and uh, you know plenty to see. Andrew Simpson's designed this kayak that I bought for him, um, not knowing that it was a kit, and he kept saying to me, "Are you sure you want to buy? This? Are you sure you want this?" I said, "Yeah, it's beautiful." Um, I, know, I probably said this in another podcast, probably. Um, and he keeps saying, "I'm really, I'm not that great at putting things together." <laughs> and so I kept saying, and he came over once uh, and helped me for a quarter of putting it together, and he had to dash off. So I got a, a quarter-made kayak in my garage that I'm desperately want to get together and um, get on pit water and uh, maybe, maybe, I, I've maybe seen you can help kayak. me. It looks beautiful. Maybe you can help me finish it off. We can go kayaking together. <laughs> Does it actually work? <laughs> well, I don't know. It looks good. It's kind of semi-transparent, which that's the kind of thing I like about it. It's like a Eskimo um, kayak or whatever you call it. Yeah, it's extremely cool. I've seen I've seen it on his website. Yeah, yeah, very talented chap. Yes. Um, has has, has lockdown kind of affected your creativity? Has it been good for you, or have you found it restrictive? I don't miss the commute. Um, you know that uh, that that hour into the city. Morning and evening is 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 uh, you know that, that time now I have to, to 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 think and draw and and talk and do other things. It's great, you know. I, yeah. That's that's fine. I do miss I do miss the the one on one with clients. The, and and obviously uh, there's a there's a there's a lack of that spark that happens when you know you put a whole pile of people together. Something that you just can't foresee tends to come out of that and, yeah. and that's pretty pretty tough and and i'm teaching i just started teaching the other day again at, at sydney uni um and we're doing a, a project for uh, right up in the northwest corner of new south wales it's an old uh, sheep station that's yeah. part of the uh and, and for, for the indigenous population up there turning it into a sort of a small um self-determination sort of project and you know, we're teaching seven hours on a Zoom. Uh, at the end of the day, your, your brain is absolutely completely fried. Wow. It's not it's not the best way of 
teaching design or, no. or some of these subjects, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard lesson to do. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. We have to get on and do our best within, within the circumstances. And, you know, it could be a lot worse. Let's talk about sustainability because you're passionate about sustainability as well. Um, where has that come from and how has that come about? Is that, I mean, obviously the, the PC one was a very sustainable dwelling, and, I think, but, but other I things think that you do are as well. I suppose in the last 20 years, you know, the, 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 the technological developments of solar panels and all, all the issues that, that are now sort of socially discussed, you know, um, materials, where they come from, um, the, you know, water, uh, electricity, just stuff. all of these issues have, have developed uh, and are now mainstream as, as opposed to being um, fairly uh, sort of alternative. Um, and they can all be integrated um, into the buildings um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that, that isn't a tack-on or, or a sort of a, uh, an afterthought. They're, they're actually fundamental. And, I mean, I've always been a great believer in sort of a, a passive sort of solutions. Um, in other words, uh, you know, sort of dealing with the overhang orientation, that sort of discussion I had before about, you know, mm -hmm. where the glass is facing exactly and, and how much of it, and and I think it's it, it, it needs to be a core subject, not not a sort of an, an additional sort of add-on. And I think that's that's where it's headed, and that's fortunately where we're at now. What's your favourite material? Have you got one? Favourite material? Um, I, I I do rather like brass or bronze. There is a there is a sort of a an amazing richness that that. It develops with age. Um, it doesn't corrode. It, it, it's it's got a beautiful patina, um, and and it's sort of uh, it, it, it it's it's warm even though it's cold. So it's it's a fascinating material to work with. Uh, yeah. Is do, do you do any other pro projects outside of architecture? Um, yeah. Well, uh, projects outside of architecture. We've, we we. Just completed, and it was, its opening was the other day. And we did in collaboration with two other architects. We did our first sort of large, uh, I suppose you'd call it cultural building. It's, it's an art gallery and library in uh, in Victoria, mm -hmm. um, and that was a, a competition that, that that we won in in, in collaboration with, with the local architect and, and Sam Marshall in Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, and we that's that's a, a different sort of uh, area and a bit like. The hardware that we're doing, um, you know, it's 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 another design project, uh, very much uh, in a different in a different field, but uh, something that we're we're <coughs> approaching, you know, with all that, all the energy from the experience from before. Mm, fantastic. Do you think you've designed your life? I think it's a yes and a no. You know, yeah. it, it's it, it's a yes in. Uh, you know that the conscious decisions to 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 go to London and, and to go to New York, uh, and to live on a beach, and then the no is what happens when you do those conscious decisions. Things just evolve, and yeah. and people you meet and the circumstances that come up. Yeah. Um, you could never have predicted what actually would happen, but you know that the conscious part of making those moves, those big moves. Certainly, uh, you know, if I didn't make those moves, things would be different. Uh, but yeah, there's a certain amount of designing, a certain amount of just letting it happen. Um, uh, but yeah, a bit of both. 
Rob, it's been really fantastic catching up with you today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Vince. Thanks for listening in to this episode of Design Your Life from Lego to Skyscrapers with Rob Brown. Tune in next week where we'll be catching up with the brilliant founder of Decus Interiors, Alexandra Donahoe Church. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.